Welcome to the NYCC Hangover Edition of the Adelan Rising Podcast. We're your hosts, Saren, Doc, and Adam. In today's episode, we discuss Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, number 23, Royals 8 and 9, and Black Bolt, number 6. Hi, guys. How are you? Is that otherwise, otherwise known as episode 29, guys? <laughs> so, uh, 29. 29 and not feeling so fine. So no. you've got a, you've got a, a post-con, uh, you got some... What do they call it? A con, con rut or? Oh, that's con crud. I don't have con, con crud. crud. I don't have con crud yet. Give it time, huh? <laughs> I am so exhausted, and yeah. I hurt everywhere. You had everywhere. fun. Though. Oh my god, I had so much fun. I went by myself. I didn't go with any friends, and I was like on an agenda. I didn't even like go on the show floor. Really, I I was in Artist Alley all day, and it was packed like sardines down there and it was really really hot it wasn't in the room it usually like, last year it was in this room with really high ceilings and and it was just more space it was more cramped um but uh from what i understand the people who were hanging out in artist alley was making some good money so oh great sure, I, 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 here's an idea for uh for 2018 is that all three of us should go to a go to a comic-con together we should, and that That'd would be, be awesome. Be and this is a shout out to uh, Wolf Warner uh, on Twitter because he's there today, and I missed you. I'm sad because um, he was the one of the ones that won our. Uh, yeah, he does all the amazing yeah. cosplay um, stuff. Yeah, the Moon Girl cosplay, and I was bummed that they were there today, and I wasn't. And Charlie Cox was also there today in the Cup of Joe panel, and I see I was torn between Friday and Saturday and Sunday tickets to go along with my Saturday ticket, and I chose Friday, which I couldn't go to. So mm. I was bitter today because I missed Charlie Cox. Well, that's, that's probably for the best. Don't you have a restraining order? Just <laughs> <laughs> because I have a huge crush does not mean. To be fair, Charlie Cox, like all British men, is an absolute <laughs> specimen. <laughs> Hell, yeah, oh, so that's the case. Like all British men. No, well, there are some exceptions. <laughs> yeah, but Charlie Cox is not one of them. He is. An incredibly handsome man. So, anyway. Um, but, yeah, uh, at NYCC, I did get to meet Saladin Ahmed, the author of Black Bolt and Al Ewing. And uh, we all gushed about our uh, Christian Ward and Javier Rodriguez and how amazing they are. And then I got told that I needed to keep the line moving. So, oh. How was uh, how was Saladin? Was he, uh, was he, was he oh. nice as nice in person he, as he was on the show? Absolutely. He is the coolest guy. I actually got to talk to him a little bit more because when you're at the Marvel booth, they have this long table and, you know, you're, they kind of wrap you around and he was at the end. So um, I was kind of standing in line and I was kind of chatting to him as I waited for my turn because I was there. And I was like, you know, I hope you have a silver pen because my Black Bolt, the Black Bolt number one cover is like mostly black. So yeah. I was like, I hope you have a silver pen. So he's like, yeah, no, they always make sure to find me one. Huh. <laughs> I was like, that's great. He's oh. left-handed, which is awesome because I'm left-handed, so that made me feel awesome. I was like, hey, you're left-handed too. He's like, yeah, I am. like, that's awesome. Hey, hey, us lefties have got to stick together. Yeah, we do. You're lefty too. That's <laughs> yeah. awesome. lefty I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Doc is the only one in this podcast that isn't, so. Yeah. Right. I'm in my left mind. <laughs> but no, that's, that's, but that's, that's, that's right made me... Mind, so what does that tell you? That's made me super jealous because I've really... Uh, I've got my... I've got a black book cover signed by Christian Ward, but not by Saladin Ahmed. I'm the other way around. Oh. I, I just—he—he's both him and, and Al Ewing are are just super awesome in person. So if you guys get to meet either one of them, definitely do. Um, he signed my cover to Sarah, and he personalized it, which was rad. Oh, was, nice. Oh, yay. So yeah, he was—he was totally delightful. Al was totally delightful. We geeked out about our artists, and it was—it was well, not our artists, but you mean the artists that yeah. they have on the book. Yeah. And, um, you know, high praise for both Christian and Javier Rodriguez, um, and how awesome they are. So it was, it was a really fantastic con. And if you ever get to go to NYCC, just go. It's really well run. Everyone is just super friendly and awesome. All the creators are fantastic people. Just you just need to go, guys. Yeah. Well, tell us about the news you learned while there. I didn't learn any news while there because I didn't get into any of the panels. You guys found out way before I did because while you guys were hearing the news, I was checking out at the Funko booth because I won the lottery for that. And then um, I was down uh, picking up my Spider-Woman commission from Stephanie Hans. So I nice. uh, I, okay, didn't, okay. I did not hear any of the news coming out of NYCC while I was there. Well, 
<laughs> so I think, um, I think the biggest one in terms of television, which uh, we did briefly mention in the episode previous to this one, episode 28, um, which we recorded yesterday. <laughs> um, <laughs> so basically Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, aired like the first 20 minutes of the first episode. Um, oh, I did do that um, last night when I got home before yeah. I passed out. Yeah, so it was basically, they aired the first 20 minutes, um, apparently it's just got lots of explanation of who the guy is, um, it's got throwbacks to episode, uh, series, season 2 and 3 with the obelisk, uh, or monolith, oh. um, spoilers, well, right, I guess. <laughs> that will be airing on December 1st. Yes, yeah, and yeah. um, I guess, I'm wondering, because hearing that, um... Chloe Bennett a while back was posting like a, a periscope from on the set. It was it was really her and um, Natalia uh, Cordova were kind of being on set, so they're filming it. But then an extra dressed in like in blue makeup that looked kind of like a Cree kind of walked in the background. Oh. So, oh. well, that is the story. They will be encountering the Cree this next season again because they've, yep. they've encountered them before. So this will be a, a much more. Um, I think in depth encounter. Oh, really I want. I was wondering of too. The kind. I'm wondering too because when I I I did actually read that 20 minute synopsis, and I'm wondering if maybe Scroll might be involved too because I think if they're going to be doing the Scrolls and Captain Marvel, I can see Agents of Shield kind of setting that up a little bit too. Well, I, that would I, be cool. That would be cool, but I I kind of I I suspect that Captain Marvel will be the first one to do it purely because Captain Marvel is set in like the 90s, I believe. So mm. maybe, maybe I mean, it'd be great to see, obviously, but I'm just sort of, I, I just can't. Yeah, more often than, more often than not, the Agents of Shields plays catch up with the Marvel movies as opposed to uh, the groundwork ball, yeah. or at least, um, or at least they try well, and tie they've, it in. They've, they've had the Cree though. They've had the Cree though before the movies did. Yeah, that's true. They had them in the first uh, first season with the whole Tiki thing. But that was just a blue guy in a coffin, basically, wasn't it? No, they had the Kree a season, in season three too. Oh, okay. Yeah, the dude with the hammer, and oh yeah, um, yeah. Then the two guys who came in and got killed by Hive. So, so really, you know, they kind of laid a little bit of groundwork there for the movies I, in this case. I, I just need to really binge watch Agents of Shield. I'm you still do. Waiting. I wait for season four so to good. come out on Blu-ray. So, it's really, on Netflix. The only Cree oh, to appear yeah. in the Marvel movies has been Ronan, the Accuser. Yeah, yeah. His whole crew is made up of Yondu monsters. Uh, no, Yondu is a Centurion, oh, and um, the the um, he was blue. I thought Cree. Uh, Ronan had a, a had a, a lieutenant um, played by that actor whose name I can't pronounce, Ikafor, um, who was uh, Korath the Pursuer. He's a Cree. Oh, okay. Hmm. Yeah. There we go. But I think uh, the other news come out of NYCC was the um, the so-called capstone called Judgment Day, or Inhumans Judgment Day, that's going to uh, sort of come out in Royals in the new year. Yeah, it looks to be yeah. um, a kind of... Uh, uh, and I wish I had known about this, because it sounds like that was announced before I had gone to see Al, and I could have probably asked him for more information, but Joe Quesada was right there too, so probably not. <laughs> <laughs> well, well he's des- in the press release, he's describing it as sort of his hunger dogs, and any of you guys... Or Hungry Dogs. Any of you guys were fans of Jack Kirby's uh, The Fourth World. Uh, Hungry Dogs was uh, a long-delayed ending to the New Gods series that Jack Kirby made, um, but never got a chance to conclude because the series was cancelled. Um, so, I think this does not bode well for the future of the Royals. Um, but it it's Mike Del Mundo and Al Ewing, so it's going to so, be a know, great book. Yeah, it's going to be gorgeous. There's no doubt about that. I mean, Mike Del Mundo is one of my other favorite artists from Marvel. If you haven't read, um, he's on the Avengers right now, or he was recently. But if you haven't read his um, Weird World with Sam Humphreys, oh my God, <laughs> need to read that because that is he was meant. For, he's meant for books like that, so almost like Javier is too, and it's it's. It's going to be beautiful, but that I, that doesn't make me happy. I don't know if that means that 
all the Inhumans books will get. I, I mean, I would think that Black Bolt seems to be doing pretty well, isn't it? I, I think I don't, so. I mean, it's yeah. doing well enough, and it's getting very uh, high praise. I think Black Bolt will continue. He's uh, that there's um, a, a greater chance of that. I think that what we might see is uh, Royals and Secret Warriors ending. Um, and perhaps, the, the, this is just a rumor, and I have nothing to base this on, but the, the scuttlebutt I've heard is that um, they might replace it with a standard Inhuman book just called The Inhumans um, that will be kind of comprised of the royals and parts of the secret warriors. Hmm. Um, well, that'd be cool. Be- I mean, that would, I, would be, I would be okay with that as long as we still get one because, I mean... I know, I know the Inhumans, they are really a niche. Yeah, yeah they are massively, yeah. But, but at the same time, um, it would suck if we didn't have any. So I would like it, you know, as long as we keep Black Bolt, which, I mean, Saladin and, and Christian Ward are just killing it on that book. And I, I, I would, I would riot if that got canceled. It's so good. Right. Um, Royals, if, if, I don't know. I, I don't want Royals to end because I'm really enjoying that. Well, I, uh, you know. Feast or famine. Sometimes we just gotta enjoy the ride and worry about what happens when it happens. Yeah, um, I, mean, I think I mean, that we're, we're we're careening towards a really interesting uh, head with what's happening in the Royals, and I'm, um, you know, I'm excited to see how it all pans out with the progenitors and the and the primogen and whatnot. And um, you know, it looks as though we're going to get a rather climactic. Uh, conclusion to it, so I'm all for it. See what happens afterwards. And I think also yeah. what my comment on it was is, you know, this time last year when we actually sort of started getting into the podcast, um, we did only have two sort of mainline Inhumans books really, other than Moon Girl and Miss Marvel, which were Uncanny Inhumans and all new Inhumans. So as long as we still got a couple of books, I think it's it's still going to be quite good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh... and we'll always have Miss Marvel. Well. We'll have Miss Marvel and Moon Girl still, so... And Moon Girl... Speaking of Moon Girl... Speaking of Moon Girl... <laughs> yes. Uh, we we only have to do a real short uh, review of this one because it was not a whole lot happened in this issue. It was kind of a setup for the next big arc. Um, uh, uh, Brandon Moncler, uh, Natasha Bustos, and Tamara Bonvillain kind of put together a really neat quick legacy tie-in in which Moon Girl meets Moon Boy um, and decides that it is probably for the best to leave Devil Dinosaur behind in his natural no. environment. That was so hard. for the time being, it looks like the no. team-up has come to an end. <laughs> Why would um, they do that? Well, it's... Uh, I know. It's comic books. I was, I was sad. It was, I was a sad... Yeah, I, I, yeah. Um, what happened is that uh, through a hiccup in the um, Omni Wave projector, uh, Moon Girl was able to uh, navigate the Moon Mobile back to the very point in the alternate timeline where uh, Devil Dinosaur originally came from, um, and then reunited him with Moon Boy, and um, decided, you know, it's. it's Manhattan really isn't a great place to re- to take care of a Tyrannosaurus and that he would be happier in his natural environment and that she needed to say goodbye and um was very sad she cried and um but the the uh um the next arc seems to be about uh Moon Girl trying out new partners <laughs> oh, <laughs> so geez. it's it's going to be Moon Girl and fill in the blank um I, I love well, the fact that on the... there's been some hints that she might be teaming up with Johnny Storm and the thing. Have I been, well, or am she, I misreading those rooms? She's definitely going to appear in a... Uh, they're going to appear in an issue of, of her book, and she's going to appear in an issue of Marvel 2 and 1, which will be... Uh, uh, which is coming soon. She's such a great character. I'm so glad that, like, everyone loves her. Yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of Moon Girl cosplays at uh, NYCC. It made me happy. Yeah, I love I love Lunella, and um, I think that uh, I'll be curious to see what happens. And also the sort of the um, uh, 
uh, sort of backboiler plot line of all the robot duplicates <laughs> she made of herself yeah. to cover her absence um, will be coming into play as well. Um, it's sort of, it's sort of sat there gaining <laughs> sentience. It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the Doomhead, who I think is freaking hilarious. Yeah, Doomhead, yeah. Doomhead is a great uh, part of the extended cast. Um, I, so it's uh, it's a quick issue um, and uh, uh, not and fun, but not you know nece- not necessarily uh, need to read because I think the the real uh, plot is going to uh, of the next arc. Yeah, it's going to appear then it's... with issue twenty four. Um, and uh, it's a it's a cool cover. It's got uh, Moon Girl standing in front of a a giant, what looks like to be like a uh, one of those put in a quarter and get a gumball dispensers. Yeah. And it's all these different superheroes. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Who's gonna be yeah. her partner? I mean, what a who, great cover. Who, who would you like to see her partner up with? Ghost Rider. Would I? Ghost Rider. Uh, Ghost Rider. Uh, that's gonna be hilarious. You know. No, I would like to. Well, clearly, my natural answer is going to be Spider Woman because that would be hysterical. Um, but what a surprise you know, to hear you say that! I would, I would actually, um, other wait, than Jess, wait, um, Sarah, Sarah's what? a fan of Spider Woman. Yeah, you yeah. Didn't know that. Who, who knew that? <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, I would like to see her meet. Uh, I, I still hold that I really want to see her meet uh, Crystal's daughter, Luna. Oh, Luna and I, Luna. I really, I want, I want to see her meet Crystal's daughter, Luna. I want. That would be cool. But they're about the same age, and I think um, they could actually probably be really, really good friends. So um, I would really like to see that. That's that's who I want Lunella to 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 meet. More you know, than that's anyone. a great choice. Do you know what the name of the book could be? Go ahead, Moon Girls. Mm-hmm. Moon <laughs> Girls. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. Okay. Um, that was lost. Again, that's what editing's for. Um, <laughs> <laughs> running joke now. That's a running yeah. joke now. Um, well, anyway, so that was a is a fun issue, um, and I'm looking forward to the next one. Um, but let's get into the heart of the matter. What well, we have a double dose of Royals to report on. Oh man, what yeah. great wow. issues! Number nine. Oh my God, I love Javier Rodriguez. Well, you no, know. he actually he 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 steps in for a couple scenes. Uh, he illustrates in issue eight, um, with, along with uh, fellow illustrator Kevin Lebranda, um, who's also fantastic. Really cool. I think he's got a bright future of Marvel. I, I, I really dig his his art style. Um, Absolutely. And um, I think um, that it it matches well in terms of just sort of tenor and tone uh, with. Um, with Rodriguez's style, so it makes for a nice transition. Um, so number eight uh, concludes the Snark War story arc, and number nine begins the uh, Progenators uh, War Farm uh, storyline. So I guess we can just talk about eight and then segue into nine. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. What happens in eight is that uh, um, the Snarks have captured most of the royals and they they've used a special device to uh, drain and borrow their powers um they're kind of like a a poor man's scrolls they can <laughs> they can they can borrow the powers temporarily and and uh and use them and and what they want to do is collect as many as they can to go back home and fight in some civil war for who's going to be king of the planet or some such shogunna um Meanwhile, the um, the uh, Medusa and Novar and Maximus are exploring the Sky Spears. And by way of uh, throwing Novar at the Sky Spear, uh, Maximus has um, figured out what these things are. And it's a really cool deal. But the Spear is basically a diagnostic tool, a means of assessing and evaluating uh, the knowledge and powers of human subjects all over the cosmos. It has the ability to control minds as a byproduct of its function for collecting cognitive data. Likewise, it augments powers as a way of testing the upper limits of these powers. So the spear is like an antenna. It collects this data and then sends it back from where it came. Furthermore, and here's the real wild part, there's no means of autonomous propulsion to these vices. They were literally spears that were thrown 
with tremendous strength to traverse, uh, traverse the cosmos and strike planets with pinpoint accuracy. So, <laughs> whoa. Um, I, I don't know if this is what Charles Soule had in mind when he originally created the Sky Spears, but it's a very cool revelation yeah. nonetheless. Um, so we, we know already that the progenitors are these cosmic beings who created the Kree and in turn have connection to the Inhumans, Inhumans of all different uh, planetary races and whatnot. And they've been using these spheres to sort of see how they progressed. Um, so they're kind of like the Celestials, although we don't know what their motivations or intentions are, um, why they are, why they've decided to um, check up on how uh, Inhumans have been doing uh, and progressing uh, throughout all these years. I guess we'll figure that out soon. Um, but before they can really get into figuring all this out, um, they are attacked by the Snarks who have... Um, obtained the powers of the other Inhumans, including some of the Universal Inhumans. Um, and uh, they um, they attack, and uh, Maximus is like, oh no, it's so cool. I got, I got control of all the Universal Inhuman Queens. We can fend them off. But then it turns out that one of the Snarks has borrowed the powers from Swain, which, which cancels out Maximus's abilities. And he's like, oh crap. Uh, so they look to be in big trouble. However, meanwhile, uh, Gorgon, who's been made human, having his powers borrowed, um, is able to sort of uh, summon his strength and break free the chains. In, the, in, in so doing, he, he recalls an interaction he had with his old friend Karnak. Um, and Karnak was, you know, expounding his typical nihilistic plan. <laughs> um, but basically, it, it, it reminded him that, you know, Strength is only as strong as its weakest link, um, and that he, you know his Gorgon's power, you know, is in his hooves and is in his uh, his um, physique, physique, but it's also a, a mental strength, the mental strength that's been refined through the experiences he's had, being wheelchair bound and um, you know persevering through that terrible time, and um, he's also been doing a lot of working out. <laughs> So he's able to find a weak point in the chain and exploit it, pulling with such strength that it breaks. And then he grabs one of the uh, nearby snark scientists and just starts hammering on himself that he lets everyone else free. And they um, turn off the cloaking device or whatever on the snark ship, cause it to land, and they run out. And even though they don't have their powers, they still attack um, the snarks. Um, and there's this terrible thing of one of the universes, a character I quite liked named um, Alloy, T Alloy Titan. He gets zapped and killed right away. It's really sad. Um, but Flint peels off from the others and he runs to the Sky Spear and his hands on it. And this seems to have uh, this huge effect on him that sort of circumnavigates him not having his powers. He, he is re-bestowed with his powers and they're actually quite intense and he uses that to um, uh, lift up a giant rock and um, uh, crush all of the snarks, killing them. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, in, it's intense. Brutal. Um, it's, it's brutal, right. It's the first time that uh, uh, Flint has actually taken a life. Yeah. Um, but it does save the day. And then in the wake of the uh, battle's conclusion, um, you know, it turns out that uh, by way of his interface with the uh, sphere, um, Marvel Boy or Novar, he is able to discern where it had come from. So they actually know now how to get to the progenitors. Um, and then, before they can leave, uh, Medusa takes Gorgon aside and says, hey, I want to ask you something. How long have you been into me? And he said, well, I've, I've you know, for a long time now, but I know it's inappropriate and and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll stop looking at you that way. And she's like, well, there's no need, actually, because um, I'll do it. <laughs> and the two of them smooch. Yeah. 
and you're like, whoa, and, and even uh, Crystal, uh, even Crystal, and 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 everyone else is quite shocked to see this. I think uh, Lumbrada does a really good job of um, illustrating Maximus looking surprised, which is not that easy to do. Um, yeah. So it's quite uh, it's quite a, a quite a, a, a ending page with uh, uh, Medusa and Gorgon in this intimate embrace kissing. Um, I was say, it, it's caused quite a stir. It has caused quite a stir. There are many people who are displeased. I am of the let's wait and see what happens camp. Yeah, me too. Um, I I don't feel like like Medusa is really doing anything wrong. I mean, I, I am. I'm like I, I'm 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 not mad that she's not necessarily with Black Bolt, but I'm I'm kind of. I don't know. It's it's more like kind of like how Crystal was always they they put her with Johnny, then she was with Quicksilver, and then it was Ronan, and and now I kind of feel the same thing sort of happening to Medusa. But at the same time, I'm sort of like, well, considering you know, I don't know. I can't really blame her either. I guess I, I I'm interested to see where it goes. I think the other big question is uh, why is Gor- why why are Gorgon's hands so big? <laughs> Because That's, he's a big yeah. dude. Like, <laughs> they're like the size of a back. Well, he's a big dude and, you know, sexual dimorphism and all that. Yeah. Yeah, that, okay, yeah that's not the question yeah. I had. But, um, uh, it's, uh, it, it, it generated a lot of uh, feels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are people that are not. My The, the ask feature on my Inhumans Tumblr blew up people people were uh, a lot of folks unhappy about this pairing uh feeling that uh medusa has somehow uh done black bolt wrong which i don't i ag- i don't agree with that at all i absolutely do not agree with that no, they're i don't think she has they're, i, I think they're divorced it's not cheating uh i i think after the ending of uncanny humans you know when you had uh oh no no uncanny he was ivx i think X. Um, you know when they were in the when they're in the quiet room and it's kind of like they were seem to be reconciling Black... and it was just kind of like okay I think that's they his could have reconciled well, that... if you know Max hadn't switched places with them. That rapprochement was kind of uh, re envisioned in the beginning of Royals number nine, where um, uh, Max, where uh, Gorgon and Medusa are having some pillow talk, and she says that she put on the guise of being kind of of, of, of being back together with um, Black Bolt as a as sort of something to help um, the people to make you know kind of make the pe- the people of Adelan feel better during this yeah. dark time, um, and so um, it it was um, I think. Um, little bit of revisionist history, but hey, it's uh, the direction that Ewan wanted to take it, and I, it, it kind of kind of broke my heart a little bit, because I'm a big-time Medusa Black Bolt shipper, and this really puts a fork in that um, for the long term. Yeah. Uh, it, not, not forever, but the long term. And especially um, after Black Bolt, kind of, the actual book itself kind of makes such a big effort towards making it look like Black Bolt just... You know, he still cares for Medusa in a way that you know he'd care for a wife. And it's kind of yeah, he he he's he's intent on winning her back. It just turns out that that's not going to be very easy. Um, yeah, especially not with a guy like Gorgon. I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, I think that it's um, you know it's a decision to move these two characters apart and let them develop independently, and that could work out. You know, I, having been married myself for a long time, you, you can still have dynamic development and be married. But um, you know, maybe I guess that's not so. Yeah, easy as long as that dynamic de- de- that dynamic development isn't too far apart. You know, <laughs> no, <laughs> but, of course you know, not. But I, I, don't um, know, I just, I just, I, I'm, I'm with you on that one. I'm kind of, I like the Medusa Black Bolt dynamic, and uh, especially now with the TV show, when it's it is quite a big dynamic of the TV show. I just, right. I'd like to see it back in the books, but you know. Well, we're gonna have a bit of a wait there. Yeah, a little um, bit. And, um, but 
more pressing is the uh, the uh, what happens prior to that in issue number nine because there's the prologue then is set five thousand years in the future with super old Maximus and yeah also old Novar wandering through the the ruins of of Manhattan and coming to a, a skyspear that has been kind of festering there and inside of it is a skeleton and some being they refer to as the uni king and we don't know who or what this is but they seem to intimate that this was the member of their squad that didn't make it back um Uh, and then right then the scene switches to uh flint who's in his uh stateroom on board the spaceship and um he seems to have had some kind of carryover effect from touching the skyspear. His his eyes are glowing, and his hand becomes translucent crystal, where you can see his the bones of his hand, and it really kind of sets the stage that perhaps he's the one who's going to become the uni king, that he's the one who's not going to be returning. Um, it's uh, I had been believing up to this point that Gorgon was going to be the one who dies, um, or or kind of quasi dies, um, but now my expectations are totally shifted, and I, um, I'm now my worry has moved from Gorgon to Flint. I'm I'm quite concerned for his uh, well-being. Yeah, I think I think those first three, first couple of pages literally just point towards it being Flint at this point. Um, mm-hmm. Especially like there's there's that one panel with the, the glowing eye, and then the next, <laughs> literally the next page is, hey Flint, you've got this glowing eye now. <laughs> Yeah, so. um, and it's uh, now uh, back on on the bridge. Uh, Maximus is uh, having a good time picking on Crystal, making fun of uh, Medusa and Gorgon <laughs> being uh, together, uh, hoof and hair, as he uh, mirthfully calls it. And it's quite interesting because whatever torch uh, Maximus might have carried for Medusa in the past certainly doesn't seem to be there now. I think. Um, that the mere fact that she's no longer with his brother has made her of little interest to him in terms of uh, a romantic partner. Um, also, he's preoccupied with uh, sort of um, waxing on about what this all means, uh, the progenitors and the world farm and the prima materia. And he kind of... Um, he envisions what it must have been like when the progenitors first came to Hala and um, came upon the prehistoric Cree and used the primogen to transform them, to evolve them into the Cree we know today, uh, perhaps even evolving one into the supreme intelligence. Um, and it's a really beautifully rendered scene. I think Javier uh, uh, Rodriguez uh, really gets in touch with his inner Jack Kirby and, mm. and brings forward this wonderful visage of, um, of these cosmic beings um, uh, evolving the prehistoric Cree in the same fashion that the Cree had evolved humans when they first created the Inhumans. Um, now, he's going on and on about this, and um, before much can be said... Um, Flint rushes in and he's like, hey, we're here, we're here. Um, and they're like, Flint, what's going on with your hand? And he's like, yeah, don't worry about that. We're here. Um, Swain's like, yeah, we, we're nowhere. I can't see anything. Right then, like some sort of uh, illusion comes down and it turns out that they're right in front of this wild celestial body. I don't even know if you can call it a planet. It's it's the world farm. And it's, I can't even describe it. It's uh, like a planet with other planets circling it it looks like if galactus's spaceship had a baby with uh, the planet apocalypse from new gods this is what their child would be um and it is a crazy looking scene again very kirby-esque um on the planet we see a harvester class um uh progenitor and he's sort of like uh, gardening. And uh, there's some weird plant that he's tending to, and he plucks a fruit from it and opens it up, and inside is this crystalline structure that he refer- that it refers to as the quintessence, which is another word for, you know, prima materia or primogen or, you know, uh, ether, whatever you have it. Um, unfortunately, this being comes to notice the Asterion coming into its orbit and 
it does something that causes the ship to explode. And it's with the, it looks like our team of Royals have all been destroyed. And it's on that cliffhanger that the uh, issue comes to an end. So can I just say I called it about Flint in that? You can that. say that. <laughs> it, it's weird because, because it's kind of, Flint is clearly going to be the one, well, I don't not think, I, uh, yeah, I was going to say it's well, really not clear I at the moment. I also have a question too about that because he went and touched that Sky Spear and I don't know if you touched on this because I actually went AFK a minute. Um, but how come something like that didn't happen to Crystal and Spirit Animal when they touched it, when the Sky Spear got to them? I guess well, they, they didn't. didn't they didn't actually touch it, but it touched it yeah. like an electricity came off of them. Yeah, um, and, and Flint actually physically touched it. So, yeah, my no, no, Novar touched it, but he's not a full blood inhuman, so it wasn't uh, calibrated to Cree. It was calibrated to inhuman, and it seemed to uh, affect them differently. Uh, it does, Flint feels like he's full on infected. It, it yeah. feels like it feels like it enhances the powers. Like you know, he can he can he can go like you know rock like, can't he? So he his power is he can manipulate rocks and he can go a bit rock like. Right. So in theory, uh, you know, what happens to rocks under pressure? Well, they they eventually over time they, they turn become... into diamonds, um, or crystals or whatever you want to call it. It's not quite true, but I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, yeah and uh, if you want to go down to really basic idiot physics, then. That's you know kind of kind of what happens, but um, I think that's more or less what they do. Is is kind of like they're they're meant to enhance powers, but also you know manipulate them in a way that they get enhanced. That's, that's right. the way I see it, anyway. But what it, it what was explained in issue eight was that it enhances the powers as a means of assessing the upper limits, and right. um, if you know if Flint's powers are taken to its upper limit, then yeah, any kind of rock, any kind of carbon can be sort of, as you say, prized into a crystalline diamond form, something uh, its hardest possible density and so forth. Um, and uh, it, it, it definitely seems as though um, Flint has been made extremely powerful because not only, you know, is his body changes, but he's sort of tuned into space. He knows exactly when they have arrived at the world farm. Um, and a place that interestingly, uh, Novar refers to as home. We're home. Right. Um, which was a curious piece of dialogue. Yeah. Yes. I, I do, I do, I do think that the sky spear is an interesting thing to touch on as well, because I don't think it's ever been clarified as to what they're actually made of. Um, yeah. So the fact that they've got one lying in whichever city it is at the start of the thing, um, start the, the start of the issue rather, uh, and that seems to be made of the same stuff that Flint is made from. Um, yeah. Or mm, I thought about that. It yeah. is a, some sort of crystalline material. Like, cause it's kind of weird because the only way I can kind of describe um, what I think we're seeing is kind of like you know when you there's like certain um, there's certain chemicals you can put into water. And then whatever. Oh yeah, you... yeah. And then they become the little crystal things. No, it's basically, yeah. um, it's basically you, you can put stuff into that, and then it just goes invisible because the. I don't know how to explain it. It, it just it's it's kind of like it has the same um, uh, chemical properties of water that makes it look see through. Yeah. Okay, so you got uh, some sea monkeys. So basically, um, I think that Flint is inside that, but he is well and alive, and he's it's been made clear that his skin will go crystalline clear, and I think he is alive in that sky spear. Oh, That's I see. So that yeah, that the the oh, uh, you mean at the, the start beast of the we're seeing, yeah. the monster we've seen at the start of the coming, and he's also uh, been previewed on the uh, the cover art for um, I think issue twelve um, as this crystal monster with a skeleton on the center. And right. I think it's, and it's then, a pretty good bet that, that they're referring to it as the Uni King or Universal King. I'm not sure. Um, well, and then in the first page in the 5,000 years, it's called they call him the Moon King. Right. He's got a lot of names, I guess. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, I, I think Flint is going to have, definitely have a big part in the next few issues. 
Yes, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, although how they've survived the explosion, I will yet well, to say. Yeah, that's quite a, <laughs> that's quite a big part of it. But yeah, and it's it, it's comic books. It's comic books. And speaking yeah. of comic books, is the illustration is just tremendous. Um, oh my I, god, Javier Rodriguez is amazing. That flashback sequence with uh, Black Bolt and Medusa. Oh yeah, it's very her, nice stuff. Oh my god, it's good to see I the hair how- back. I mean. I really liked the um, the Medusa and Gorgon pages because yeah. that, that almost reminded me of like uh, almost like Viva Vendetta style um, like coloring because the fact that it was well, so gloomy that, and oh, Jordy so Belair. yeah uh, that was brilliant I loved that yeah, yeah uh, Miss Belair is a great um, teammate to Rodriguez in terms of of bringing the art to life um, yeah. her colors are just fantastic that page with the um, with the the prehistoric Cree and the progenitor coming and just like picking them up. Yeah, we were talking about that when you were yeah. offline. Um, it's uh, I, I was saying that that Rodriguez really got in touch with his inner Kirby. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. But then, the, then there's also that um, that small story right at the end that just kind of explains. Oh yeah, where we of, are right now. Yeah, where we've gone up to and what the Inhumans oh. are and that sort of stuff. That was that was kind of cool. Um, I think a lot of people were jumping on with Rodriguez's art, actually. Yeah. Which is probably why they tossed that in there. Although that section was illustrated by um, Lambranda. Yes. Uh, Kevin Lambranda. Yes. Yeah, I I, um, I didn't care. For, I mean, I, I know it's nice for new readers to have a, a little recap, but I was so... I didn't want the issue to end. So yeah. I no, missed it. I thought I had. I, like, I thought I had extra content. I'm like, wait a second, this is just recap stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and that kind yeah. of took up content for the actual book itself. You had like 19 pages of uh, of story, and then five or six pages of hey, this is a, this is a recap, guys. Yeah, because when you're holding the physical copy, you feel like you've got so much more to go, and then you're like, oh wait, this is. This isn't real. This yeah, isn't real. <laughs> no. This is one of those ones that, like, I, I just, I love Javier Rodriguez. He's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so what, what do you reckon is going to happen in the next issue? Then let's let's speculate. Well, um, I think that uh, you know Medusa is in tough shape, and I think her condition is going to continue to worsen. Um, you know, he, her not only has her hair fallen out, but what's left of it has gone gray. She's uh, coughing up blood. She's in real bad shape. And, yeah. Um, the cover art for the next issue is just a, a sort of sad picture of her head, of her sort of a portrait of her, looking yeah. quite glum. Um, but to tell you the truth, I have no idea what what's going to happen next. Um, no, I, I, this is this? like totally out of the. Ewing's done a good job of keeping us speculating and guessing because yeah. this book isn't going anywhere where we think it's going to go. Well, because it's like, uh, didn't he mention like a secondary ter- terogenesis for a character? Well, um, that would be Flint, probably. Well, yeah, but the thing is, is it though? Because he could also be the one that dies. That's the thing. It's kind of like, it's 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 so unsure at the moment. He could be the one that dies and somebody else goes through a so-called secondary terogenesis. But um, I don't think I think that it's flint because if you look at the the five thousand years in the future pages, I don't I don't no, they might think that, he's dead, but I, was about I don't to say, I don't that's think definitely that. fr- definitely flint in those pages, but I, I think at the moment it's totally unclear as to who is who's gonna get that second genesis and who's gonna you know, die. <laughs> well <clears throat> I've been pretty bad at at making guesses so far, but um you know it, it it's they st- they haven't said the character dies. They say a character doesn't come back. Um, that yeah. you know, seven venture forth and only turn. I think it looks right now like the one who's not going to return is going to be Flint. Yeah. It also looks right now that the one who endures some sort of crazy secondary terogenesis is also Flint. Yeah, that's what but I mean. It's, it's weird. It's entirely possible that that you know, it'll, <laughs> you know, fake left and go right. Um, perhaps Medusa will get a secondary terogenesis that will uh, either return her powers or maybe give her some new power. Um, we really don't know. Um, and it's been a long time since I've been left completely unsure what to expect next. Right. Well, because my my idea is now that you know the the the, the reason she's so you know she's sick, so called sick, 
um, is because the Terrigen is kind of like getting back at her, essentially, for getting rid of all of the Terrigen off the planet. Um, so it's almost like, um, it's almost like once she solves that, maybe her powers will return. So they could go to the world farm, they could get the primogen, um, and then take it back to earth and then all could be well with Medusa. And then somebody else yet again could get the secondary terogenesis. So it's yeah, just ostensibly the if they succeed in their mission, um, that she will be cured. Um, and I, 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 as, as, as sick as she's gotten, I've never actually worried that much for her because I don't think that Ewing has any intention of killing her off whatsoever. No. Um, no. But it hasn't. It's 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 been tough to see her laid so low because uh, you know not only is I mean those like you said that 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 that's the section in the book where it was her and Gorgon in her stateroom and she's in her underpants and she's coughing and her hair's all falling out and she just looks like. She's in terrible shape, and I'm not used to seeing her that look that way. You know, in, in all previous uh, uh, incarnations and books, she's always maintained this sort of physical dignity. Um, you know, even when she was um, in the late stages of her pregnancy and right of birth, she still was very glamorous. Yeah. And here she is anything but glamorous. Um, I mean, she's still strong and tough and admirable, but um, it was a. Uh, it was kind of rough. Yeah, that's what I mean. And the in the art, like I said, it, it goes along with that so well because it's like the whole almost Alan Moore esque kind of art, really, in the way that it's done. Um, just getting that Alan. whole uh, who did Vivadetta? Uh, he wrote it. Sorry. Oh, yeah. He's uh, uh, I can't remember his name now. Someone or other. Um, and it was basically the fact that uh, it was very dark, very kind of noir esque sort of thing. You know, I really like that. Yeah. Cool. But also, um, because we're about to come on to it, there was a reference to Black Bolt Six. Oh yeah. Which, That's uh, right. They the, the the in in the um in the story they say somehow they've gotten word that Black Bolt had escaped from from his prison. Um so it was <laughs> it was good that I read Black Bolt number six before I read um yeah. Yeah, not, right. not that uh, not that I have much in the way of doubt that Black Bolt would eventually escape. But let's move on to that Black Bolt number six. Wow, oh. wow, wow! Oh. What an incredible issue! Yeah, that was all sorts of holy cow. I, I swear, if, if the, the way the story that we, up to now, the way Black Bolt has been stranded in this mysterious space prison, lorded over by this cruel jailer who has. Powers that are kind of on par with a godlike being. Uh, he's made allies amongst his fellow inmates, including the absorbing man Crusher Creel, a scroll pilot queen named Rava, Moilib, the metal master, and a telepathic alien known as Blinky. Now, Blackbolt managed to escape this jail with the, he- with the help of Lockjaw, and he chose to go back in and um, free his comrades and put an end to the jailer's uh, terrible reign of, of horror. Um, now, uh, the jailer, it turns out, is uh, actually a former inmate. He, he's an ancient inhuman who has this sort of vampiric telepathic powers. He, he feeds off of the emotional agony of others. And he was incarcerated in this jail, but somehow got free, killed the, killed the former wardens, and took their place uh, using the jails as sort of never-ending buffet of, of uh, new inmates that he could feed off of. Um, and who knows how long this has been going on, perhaps centuries. Um, so Black Bolt is intent at putting this all to an end, but the jailer's not going down without a fight, and he uses his psychic abilities to manifest these ghosts that are um, that sort of like um, feed off of the guilt of, of those around him so you know there's um crusher sees the ghost of his dead mom uh uh, metal master sees the the ghost of his dead husband um rava sees her son's daughter who died and 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 black bolt sees the ghosts of uh his dead parents and 
But um, what he's done is he's projected this sort of shield of molecular energy that has uh, nullified the, uh, the power dampeners so that he and his allies all have access to their superpowers. And Blinky has telepathic powers, and she uses that to see through the illusion and encourages the others to do so, and they actually are able to sort of you know, see through it all, except for the Metal Master, <clears throat> who's been there so long, and he's very old, and his guilt is very deeply seated, and he's just, he can't get through it, and he actually starts attacking the others, and uh, Rava, the scroll, is, you know, she's, she doesn't have time for this, so um, she puts her, her sword through him, um, and, and apparently kills him, um, and the others are pretty shocked by her resolve. But they're like they don't have time to deal with it. They got to move forward. Uh, they go they go deeper into the prison where um, the jailer hims- himself resides. He's just like this psychic energy ball and whatnot. And they all attack, but it's it's not quite enough. And and Crusher Creel comes up with a plan. He has Black Bolt direct all of his sonic energies into him, which he absorbs. He's the absorbing man. Yeah. Um, and then, before you know, he can't contain it. He's about to explode. Before he can, he rushes into the heart of the jailer, and then it detonates and it destroys the jailer. And uh, Black Bolt wakes up sometime later. He knows that the he's free. The jail, the prison has been destroyed. All the various inmates have fled. Um, the Metal Master's actually survived. His alien physiology allowed him to be survive getting stabbed through the back. Um, and Rava's there, and Blinky's there, and they're all happy, but they realize that their their reunion, their freedom, has come at the expense of Crusher Creel's sacrifice, that he didn't make it, and it's quite sad. I mean, of course, this isn't the last we've seen of the Absorbing Man, but it's the last we've seen of this title, and yeah. it's sad. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the Metal okay. Master and Rava depart. And Black Bolt's like, well, I'm stuck here. This time. But then Blackjaw <laughs> shows up again. It's another super cute reunion of a uh, big, cuddly bulldog running out and uh, giving him a hug. And Friggin' love and that dog. I, I love yep. that. Right. And uh, Blinky's like, well, I guess you got to go home. I want to go. Maybe I could go with you. Uh, <laughs> um. and, you know, Black Bolt's quite you know, taken aback by the request, but he knows he. He has to take her with him. You know, he's not the same and man. The little little monster got left. Well, not little monster, but the monster was left behind too, right? Well, he's free. He's yeah. We, he's that's uh, he can do what he wants. That's now. true. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, Black Bolt's not the same person now that he was when he first came to this jail. He's he he's he's grown. Um, he he thinks about more than just the needs of his people. You know, he sees this little girl, this alien girl. He can't leave her behind. He knows he's got to take her with him. And he's like, yeah, of course. You know, he can't say it, but he just smiles and says, yes, you're welcome to uh, come with me. Um, and uh, Lockjaw teleports the three of them back to Earth. And that's the end of the issue, the end of the arc. This sixth issue embodies uh, this arc with uh, Christian Ward and Saldim Ahmed, with a little bit of art by uh, Fraser Irving in the middle. Yeah. Um, it is... It embodies everything I love about comics in general and the Inhumans in particular. It is just huge and fun and a wild ride with high concept weirdness that's ballast and really deep, fully fleshed out character study. The story and art, it's synced up hand in glove with both sides sort of lining up so seamlessly that the narrative and art finish each other's sentences. It's just perfect. And I'm so glad yeah. that this book is going to come out in trade right around Christmas oh, of Hanukkah that's good. because. I'm going to be able to get copies for all my friends and family who are into it's comics. Do it. Just do it. such a, I don't know, man, Christian Ward. We've got, we are spoiled on our artists for Royals and Once the Future Kings and Black Bolt. And we are just so spoiled on everything right now. It's so good. We've got such fantastic artists. And I like, want to thank Marvel for it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I right. think the way that I talk about like Christian Ward's art, I think people would think I'd propose to him in the street if it was a uh, if that's the case. <laughs> so you know, yeah. well, I, the, 
and and the artists have to deal though because I think that the way that the the art and writing lines up has you know you can have great artists and you can have great writing, but it's rare that you have great art and writing in the yeah. same tome. Yeah, and, right. Um, you know, I don't know how long this big Inhumans wish will ultimately last at Marvel, but I knew that I do know that they can't take it back. You know, I'm always mm-hmm. going to have these books. I'm going to have this this first volume of Black Bolt, and I'm going to definitely buy Once in Future Kings when that comes out in trade. I'm going to have the the trade paperbacks of uh, <laughs> Royals one and two. It's going to be so great. I'm just going like, oh my god, what a heyday, a heyday, a Halcyon era. Of Inhuman comics, you know maybe the TV show is not that great, whatever. But uh, but we still have these books and they're fantastic. Like we said yesterday, to be fair, you know the Inhumans book, uh, the Inhumans TV show has has got better. So oh yeah, you know, I I think I think the more exposure to these characters that we're getting is is any any exposure is good exposure. Um, which actually now now I listen to that back uh, could probably be taken out of context. So. Yes, don't expose yourself too much. I see what you're saying. No. Um, <laughs> anyhow, of course, uh, I, mean, it, I wasn't right. paying attention, and you had to point it out. <laughs> I could gush on and on about how yeah. I love yeah. this issue, and, 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 I, and, and I love the arc in general. Um, yeah, it, it was such it, a, it's, it's just been such a, a wild ride, and it's just been so... I don't even know. I've already said everything I can say, really. I just love it. I, I, I like the ending. The ending was just... Really perfect, sweet. Do you know what I mean? It was just such yeah. a nice ending. Um, you know, a, a lot of my uh, my friends have likened Black Bolt the, the series to um, to the the Vision series by Tom King and, yeah. uh, and uh, Mr. Wada. Um, I don't know. Is Jose? Well, so you Wada? mean Greg? Was it? No, it was uh, Greg Walter. Was it Greg Walter? Not King. No. Anyways, it was the Vision, and it was a it was a similar book in that it sort of took an unconventional approach to reintroducing us to a, a main lead character who has not had a, a lead a solo series before. And I can see the comparisons, but while the vision, which I thought was fantastic, left me feeling really sad, kind yeah. of depressed. Yeah. Um, Black Bolt left me feel well, it had a much more optimistic and kind of positive ending. Um, and the supporting cast, it was just like not just what you would expect, yeah. and and just wow. It's just full of characters that you know, Creel being a character that you're not really meant to like, and it had just such like heartfelt moments in it and that sort of stuff, and you just kind of think, wow, was he? <laughs> the kind of stuff he's done with these characters is just insane. Um, yeah, yeah, it's kind of interesting. I mean, it was advertised as a solo book. But you look at the extended cast that um, that that Ahmed and, and Ward put together, and they're so pivotal to the to the first arc. It felt more like Black Bolt was a team book. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that this was a really smart decision, you know, because you know Black Bolt is a fascinating character in the context of the Inhumans as a whole. But he's Gabriel a bit... Walter on the art for thank you. Vision. <laughs> Walter. I, uh, uh, what was I saying? That oh, so. In the context of the Inhumans as a whole, Black Bolt's very a lot of fun. But standing on his own, he's kind of shallow. We don't, we haven't, you know, he can't speak. He's emotionally withdrawn. We don't really get to know him, and we've been reintroduced to him in this book by way of his sort of interactions with the extended cast, the the juxtaposition of him interacting with Creel, interacting with Blinky. It it sort of who uh, also became kind of a breakout character, um, because. Christian Ward has posted a lot of fan art of Blinky, so Blinky uh, is a character that seemed to have resonated with a lot of a lot of char- a lot of people. Oh, she's totally adorable. <laughs> she is. And I think well, and I'm I'm glad that she's sticking around. That we're going to get to see and learn more about her in the next arc. Um, you know, I'm very sad that uh, Crusher Creel died in the end. I mean, I know this death won't prove permanent. He's actually come back from similar such deaths in the past, but I am sad that he won't be in this book because um, because uh, Saladin Ahmed wrote him so wonderfully. Um, you know, issue four is just a standalone great issue. Yeah. Where yeah. we, you know, who would have, I would never guess that, that um, you know, that uh, the absorbing man would be a character I'd come to feel so strongly for <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, so just fantastic 
mathematically impossible six out of five lock jaws. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. I'm and looking I'm forward really... to uh, giving this book to my friends. Yeah, yeah and I think, I think issue number seven is kind of like a road trip issue. I think we're going to have Fraser Irving on that, and then Christian Ward will be back for the next arc. So, um, that's, yeah, I that's... have. I've heard that Fraser Irving's doing a bit of art for it. I don't. Is it the? Is it it's the issue whole... seven? Yes, it's a one-shot road trip. Is what it sounds like. That's cool. And that's scheduled for November. Yes. Cool. cool. Yeah. So the uh, the books out for the rest of the Wonderful Secret Warriors Seven, Once and Future Kings Three. Yes. Yeah, and then Royals Ten. So. And uh, Miss Marvel Twenty Three or yeah. Twenty Four. Twenty Four. Which okay. is a, a big arc, which will be fun. Yeah, I mean, Miss Marvel's doing really well. So it's a great book. It's, Although, great I, book. like I said before, I hope that that this uh, this next arc is a little lighter in tone because it's been such a heavy series today. I was going to say the last two the arcs for Miss Marvel have been pretty pretty heavy. Um, but yeah, I mean, hopefully, it'll, hopefully, it'll lighten up a little bit, maybe. <laughs> I'm sure it will. Yeah. So Alrighty. that's what we have for this installment. Thank you for listening. Um, and uh, as always, feel free to get in touch with us by these two ways. Who's going first? Uh, first, please <laughs> help me out, guys. <laughs> you can get us on Twitter, which is um, at Atalan Rising One, or the show at AtalanRising.com. There we go. Well done. <laughs> Thanks again. Thanks for listening.